Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you are joining me and tuning in to hear about one of the greatest hobbies in the world. I'm your host, Zachary Anderson, and this is Your Turn, the podcast where I, a nerd, talk about board games, game mechanics, and other nerdy culture things. For all of my returning listeners, welcome back. And to those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome, and please enjoy the episode. In this episode, I will be discussing a genre of games that has become a staple in my life and helped push my boundaries and lead me to no longer think just of myself. I will then be sharing two fantastical games of Dungeons and Battle, one with a wonderfully written tale and the other with lots of dice chucking and goblin smashing. So once again, thank you for joining me and let's get to the games. The piece of board game jargon I'd like to discuss is role-playing. This is when a player acts out or performs the part of a specific character. The character can improve over time, and also in these games, there's an immense amount of storytelling. One of the hallmarks of many, though not all, role-playing games is having the opportunity to create your own character. Choosing from race, age, name, class, background, etc. But whatever kind of character you want to be, you can play. Being given agency over every aspect of a character can create player buy-in and generate high player interest. People tend to care more about their characters when they feel responsible for their birth and well-being. Sorry to all my characters in Arkham Horror. I did my best to save your sanity, but I failed. Different role-playing games will give different opportunities for character creation. But players will always have a face and a name to attach themselves to. And this helps transport players into the game and into the actions they are taking. As well as the outcomes that are thrown at them by each given scenario. In some role-playing games, players have a roster of characters to select from, as opposed to a character generator. But this can be just as powerful as you must think about presented situations from a different perspective and evaluate how your character would react. Now, I am not the kind of person to run into a haunted house and fight off ghosts and ghouls to save some random stranger I met five minutes ago. But... When playing as Flash in Betrayal at House on the Hill, you can bet your bottom dollar that I am running around the house, punching witches, kicking zombies, and praying that the warping stairs will lead me back to safety. And I guess I'll save the small child from the evil spirits too. Fine. These games can be wonderful exercises in empathy and understanding, learning what other people might be going through, and it gives an opportunity to create well-rounded thinking and the potential for personal growth. In role-playing games such as Pathfinder or Dungeons & Dragons, players have the opportunity to step out of their comfort zone and face challenges they may not always be gung-ho to battle. I have seen extremely introverted people create incredible extroverted characters in order to practice communicating with others. I've witnessed players choose characters 
of different genders than their own in order to at least in some small fashion experience the life and discrimination of someone different from themselves. In our lives, there are so many experiences we will never have, but role-playing games can give slight glimpses into the lives of others and situations we can learn from and bring into our daily lives. I have three quick examples if you may find yourself interested in role-playing games. If you enjoy horror themes and solving puzzles as you fight for survival in the Roaring Twenties, I would recommend you look into Eldritch Horror or Arkham Horror and embrace the lives of made men and lounge singers who just want to survive until tomorrow. The next game, This War of Mine, is not for the faint of heart and can lead to immense sorrow and distress as you play as survivors in a war-torn country making difficult decisions in order to stay alive, even if it means leaving others to die. And finally, we have a romantic comedy in a box, Fog of Love, in which two players, or two teams, will lead individuals through a relationship and try to find if the lovebirds can make it work in the end, or if they are best apart and moving onward to find happiness. The first game I'd like to discuss is Massive Darkness. This was published by Simon, designed by Raphael Gouton, Jean-Baptiste Lulen, and Nicholas Rout. The art was done by Edouard Gouton and Jason Hendricks. It was published in 2017, plays between one and six players in about 120 minutes-ish. Quick how to play. There is a lot to set up and play for this game, so for the sake of time and your sanity, I'm going to give a very brief overview, but please know that the full rulebook can be found online. For setup, first players will decide what quest to play and set up the playing area with the required tiles, the different levels of guard cards, as well as artifacts, door, event, and roaming monster decks. Each player will then select which hero to play and select a class for that hero to be. This is done by taking the matching class sheet and placing it beside their hero dashboard. Classes are basically jobs and they give special skills. Deal out starting equipment to each player so that everyone has a starting weapon and armor and place all hero miniatures on the hero starting zone as indicated by the quest. Set up the Lifebringer by placing its card in view of all players, with two wound markers beside it. This indicates how many heroes can be brought back to life during the game after they die. Finally, decide which player will go first and give them the first player token. You are now ready to play. Each quest within Massive Darkness is played over a series of rounds, which are broken into a number of phases. Here's a brief look at each phase, but Please remember, there are many details I am not able to cover. First, we have the Heroes phase. In turn, each player will activate their hero and take three actions, which can include moving around the board, attacking enemies and potentially being counterattacked, getting up if stunned, picking up items, trading items with other in their same zone, or transmuting items by discarding three treasures they have gathered and gaining a treasure of one level higher. Once all players have activated their heroes, this phase ends. Next, we have the enemies phase. 
Enemies will try to attack heroes around them. If there are no heroes in their zone, or they do not have the ranged weapons or spells to attack the heroes, they will move to be within range and then attack, potentially for a second time. One thing to be aware of is powerful monsters can carry special treasures and will use them against you if they are able. Next, we have the experience phase. Players will have gained experience from killing enemies or picking up objectives, and in this phase, they use their gained experience to gain new skills. Then, there's the event phase. Just before the end of the round, the first player will draw the top card from the event deck, read it out loud, and this will have some effect on the game. These effects could lead to a new group of enemies joining the board, a new roaming monster entering the battle, or possibly even a blessing that helps our heroes. Good luck. Finally, we have the end phase. Many in-game effects end during this part of the round, which should be noted or discarded. The first player marker moves the next player, and now you're ready for round two. The game can end in one of three ways. The players have met the quest objectives and win! But if the objectives are ever unable to be completed for whatever reason, or a hero needs to be resurrected and the life bringer is out of charges, the players lose. But you can always replay the quest after setting it up again. Come on, folks. Grab your swords. Pick up your bows and quivers, and for the love of Cthulhu, will someone help the wizard? They are moving crazy slow, and I swear those evil gnomes are getting closer. The rogue just reported back, and we only have a few more rooms to go before we reach the end of this dreaded dungeon. Massive Darkness is a pure romp through dungeons and battles testing a player's ability to weigh options and grip their weapons tighter as they plunge headlong into the darkness that waits for them at the bottom of the stairs. Once the action has started within this game, it very rarely lets up, constantly pushing the player forward in order to accomplish the required objectives, hacking, slashing, and blasting away at the ever-growing number of enemies. But luckily, Players are given a vast array of weapons, armors, and tools to be used against the massive hordes of evil gnomes, orcs, and other vile creatures that go bump in the darkness. Unlike other dungeon crawls, Massive Darkness has no problem giving the players an incredible number of supplies. As most groups of enemies are given at least one piece of special equipment that you can loot after vanquishing them. Not all weapons can be useful to all characters. For example, the Barbarian is not likely to find a Blasting Staff useful, as their skills may reward close combat instead of ranged. Players always have the ability to trade and give each other gear that helps optimize their team. I am sure that some would say that gaining equipment is wonderful and fun, but after a while, the equipment you are gathering has become obsolete, and you might as well be fighting with a stick, but within Massive Darkness. There is a transmutation action, and this is a fantastic addition to the game. Players are able to trade in three items they are carrying to gain an item of a level higher. Now, unfortunately, this does not always result in the perfect combo, but it can incentivize players to jump into a fight and gather more goods. 
Counting both the core box and the expansion, there are 21 available characters to play. And that is not even counting characters you can bring in from the zombie side series, also produced by Simon. The expansive roster of heroes in this game allows players to select their own flavor of character. Do you want to play as a massive mound of muscles who enjoys crushing enemies to paste? Give Bjorn a try. He's a barbarian. How about a walking shield that can block great damage while dealing a deadly blow? Azrael might just be the person you're looking for. Still not quite your style? Then perhaps I can introduce you to Miriam, a hero that can not only heal her allies, but can steal attacks and defense from those trying to do her harm. But if none of these sound interesting to you, do not worry. There are so many more that I cannot even begin to talk about as I would run out of time. Before I move on, I do want to mention my personal favorite. His name is Little Ned. Or, sorry, Little Ned. Most playable heroes are humans, elves, or dwarves. But Little Ned is a bit different. He's an ogre, but he actually looks more like Tim Curry in the movie Legend. With his enormous horns and oversized hammer, Ned is a being ready for action. And any beings lurking in the darkness best beware, because Ned is afraid of the dark and is about to start swinging. On top of this plethora of heroes, there are 11 different classes that you are able to mix and match with your dungeon clearing party. And just like the heroes, there is something for just about everyone. If you are like me and always thought Gandalf was pretty dope for using a staff and a sword to beat off orcs in Middle-earth, well, you're in luck because you can be a battle wizard using magic to blast enemies at far range while crushing those who step too close. Prefer sneaking around and not getting caught? Yes, I'm looking at you, older brother. Then give the Blood Moon Assassin a try, as you utilize the darkness we are traversing to spring upon our enemies and wipe them out before they even get a chance to draw their daggers. Each class has a sheet of skills players can use and customize, using available experience to make a walking tank out of your Paladin of Fury. Spending a few points to give yourself a greater health pool while allocating a few more to give yourself re-rolls to use on your counterattacks. There is no wrong way to build a character, and you are in near complete control over how you design the way in which your hero plays on the board. Though each character has a recommended class, as shown at the bottom of their hero card, players can easily ignore these suggestions and go with whatever feels right. So go ahead, make the magic-wielding half-elf into a pit-fight berserker. I am so stoked to see their agility and bloodlust send the enemies off in a scurry. When enemies come onto the board, they will show up as a mob made up of minions and their boss, an agent who is a bit stronger than your average baddie, or their gargantuan roaming monsters. I want to take a brief moment and talk about how these massive foes can cause even the bravest little Ned to pause and think, though most of the thoughts that he has are just the sound of his hammer hitting minions. In the core box, there are only six roaming monsters, but in total, 
with all expansions and exclusives, there are 35. And once again, this is not counting those that can be brought over from the Zombicide games. Roaming monsters can be added by kicking in a door, a random event, or by the quest simply adding them once you've gotten far enough. And mark my words, these beasts are forces on their own. Most minions can be killed with a single hit, but roaming monsters will take a beating and keep going, requiring the team to work together and focus down their health pool little by little. But this can be extremely risky, as with each attack, the monsters get a counterattack. So make each swing, shot, blast worth it, or you may find yourself bleeding out on the floor. Similar to bosses and agents, when a roaming monster is drawn, they gain a piece of equipment, which they could potentially use against the players. So sure, the ogre shaman is tough on his own, and he keeps flipping healing himself, but we were killing him. Oh, crap. He has a flaming sword. Now he's rolling three attack die. Oh, great. This is wonderful. Run, little Ned! The last thing I want to mention is the light and darkness mechanic within the game. The shade and shadows are represented by dark and light sectors on the board and can provide some bonus to players. One example, if a hero is in a shadow sector and not directly in the line of sight of an enemy, they are completely ignored, which can provide a great advantage to sneaky heroes like the assassin, as they can slip behind a mob and surprise them with a flurry of slashes. But the other bonus the shadows can give is the chance to slip into what is called shadow mode. While in shadow mode, a hero has access to their shadow abilities, powered up skills which make attacks more deadly, defense more formidable, and the likelihood of success on actions much higher. While playing Massive Darkness, it is crucial for players to utilize the darkness to their benefit and balance distracting enemies long enough for your fellow player to get the drop on those non-observant goblins. Massive Darkness is far from a perfect game. Being a dice-based combat game, there's a lot of luck involved in how successful you are in fighting your way through the dungeons and cave systems. And even with rerolls, it can be possible to have every right to take out a pesky mob only to fall short and be cut down yourself. Recently, there was a Kickstarter campaign for Massive Darkness 2, adding new mechanics and new characters. And I have heard many voices talking about the new revamped system. But I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed Massive Darkness for what it was. And if you are looking for a simple-to-learn dungeon crawl with a wide variety of playable characters, I would recommend you give this one a look. Just remember, I call dibs on Lil' Ned. Now... Let's go fight that angry unicorn. The second game I'd like to discuss is Legacy of Dragonhold. This game is published by Fantasy Flight, designed by Nikki Valens, with art done by Alex Aperin, Jacob Atenzia, Jared Blando, and Anna Christensen. This game was published in 2017, plays between one and six players, in approximately an hour plus. It kind of varies. A quick how to play. To set up, first, 
Each player will create an avatar to represent themselves within the game world and will follow the directions shown within the character creation booklet to build their individual. Players will be able to choose from a multitude of races, classes, skills, and backgrounds to invent their own unique persona. Give each player or character an activation marker. These will help show who has taken a turn as an active player, though if you are playing solo, you can forgo these tokens. Have the story tracker sheet and character sheets along with pencils nearby. Finally, open up the Two New Roads booklet and read Passage 1000. Legacy of Dragonhold is much less about winning or losing and more about storytelling. Players will read passages from the adventure books, taking turns making decisions, while still discussing and working with the group. In this fashion, players will continue playing and reading for as long as the group is willing, pausing and ending the session when a consensus is reached. Legacy of Dragonhold is a role-playing game. And as with many role-playing games, the first step for players is creating or selecting their character or characters. The game I mentioned before, Massive Darkness, is also a role-playing game. But in Legacy of Dragonhold, instead of selecting from a roster of pre-made characters, each player gets to create their own. Players have control over race, class, background, physical and emotional descriptors, as well as the skills they have access to and can call upon. Every choice made by players will impact how they are viewed by the in-game world and the choices they have access to. For example, should you choose to play an orc, and let's face it, who doesn't want to play an orc? You will have access to great skills in athletics and survival, but sadly, orcs are normally seen as beings to fear and are dishonest, and therefore non-player characters may not always have the best attitude towards your wonderful green warrior. There are a handful of other races to choose from as well, such as gnomes, dwarves, and even cat folk. But this is just the tip of the iceberg, as you can choose classes, which will also flesh out a character, such as a streetwise brawler, a sage obsessed with the history of the world, or the cunning wildlander, who knows exactly which berry to eat and which mushroom to avoid. I could go on and on about how many different ways there are to build a character and the magnificent variety given to players, but that could be an entire episode, so I will say this and move on. The game comes with a lovely book that will walk players through how to build a character and help give ideas for what skills to take and how to make your ideal person. But remember to have fun with it. And if someone tells you your idea is dumb or weird and you shouldn't do it, screw it. Do it anyways. Now some of you may already be thinking, Zach, this sounds a lot like Dungeons and Dragons. Are you trying to convince us to play D&D? To which I say, yeah, you should totally play D&D. But Legacy of Dragonhold is not the same as Dungeons & Dragons. Though, I am planning an entire episode about pen and paper role-playing games in the veins of Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, Numenera. But they will have to wait for their own episode. In Legacy of Dragonhold, yes, 
you are creating your own character with skills and so forth. But there's no dice rolling. And instead of having a dungeon master telling you a story, the players taking part in the adventure take turns reading from a booklet and are presented with challenges. In my experience, there's a lot of trepidation when it comes to playing games like D&D. And even though our society is shifting away from seeing role-playing games as a nerd thing, there is still hesitation about joining. And this is where Dragonhold comes into play. If a player is worried about not being good enough for D&D, or not having the imagination to come up with ideas of how to react to situations, I would say Dragonhold acts as a wondrous stepping stone to the larger world of tabletop role-playing games. Slight warning. Legacy of Dragonhold is a lot of reading. And to be honest, that is pretty much all it is. And not everyone is going to like that. Even though players take turns reading, there is a chance for players to get frustrated or annoyed if someone else is reading slowly or making errors as they read. There is room within the game to build connections and relationships with other players as you not only encourage each other to try new things within the game, but if there is a player who does struggle with reading out loud, it can be beneficial for other players to offer support and help in a self and caring place. Quick personal story, growing up, and even sometimes to this day, I have a bad stutter and stumble over words whenever I read out loud. I always hated being asked by a teacher to read something out loud, and I knew it would take me at least twice as long to read as a result of choppy speaking and enunciation. But with the help of friends, family, and a school reading teacher, I was able to overcome this fear of speaking out in public. And now, I do it on a regular basis. Here on my podcast for you lovely people, and as a teacher, I still stumble, but I know that I can get through it. Legacy of Dragonhold is not the cure-all for people struggling with reading. But it can be helpful and generate bonds between players. With this lovely construction of a story and the cooperative nature of the game, I would suspect this game would work for players of all ages, including kids, probably the ages maybe 9 or 10 and up. Now, I've never tried this, but it would make logical sense to me if a person wanted to play this game with their kids or younger family members, if you have any, as a way of sharing a gaming experience that could lead to fun memories to share later in life. A few key pieces of advice that do come to mind if you are playing with younger kids, though. You may need to help younger players with character creation and keeping track of items and skills they have, but this can be easily done by playing with character sheets in direct view of all players. When it comes to making decisions and choices in the game, players can all share their ideas and talk through their choices and options in order to help younger players understand cause and effect and consequence. And lastly, if you are indeed taking turns reading from the booklet, players can help each other with more difficult words and how to improve their reading skills. I'm aware these are not perfect reasons to purchase and play Legacy of Dragonhold, but they are factors to consider. This game can play up to six players. Six players! 
That is six different voices reading from the book. Six different people who have to make decisions before the cycle resets. And six people who must be brought together in order to play through the entirety of the game, as this is a campaign-based game. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't play with six players, as I'm sure there are those of you who prefer larger groups. But the sheer thought of that many people sends shivers down my spine. There are a small handful of games that I am willing to play with larger groups, but for Legacy of Dragonhold, I would say you should play with no more than four, though three is preferable. With fewer people, it is easier to get the group together at any one time, and it allows players to be more invested in the story as they get the opportunity to make choices more often. As with Dungeons & Dragons, Legacy of Dragonhold is as engaging and gripping as a player makes it. Players can build a more fleshed out backstory, construct more in-depth opinions their characters may hold about different groups within the world, and in some cases decide on a voice for how their character speaks. I have only played as a single character while taking part in this game, an elderly orc apothecary who preferred to tend his mushroom garden and talk to his plants rather than, you know, talking with people. This spectacular investment into a character is not required, but doing so can bring a character to life and hook players that may be on the edge of taking part or not. Some could say that Legacy of Dragonhold is more of an activity and less of a game to take part in over a number of hours, but that does not take away from the fun that can be had. If you have ever been interested in role-playing, but are not sure where to start and do not want to jump into the deep end with an at times overly complicated rule set, I would suggest you take a look at Legacy of Dragonhold. And if you enjoy it, the only way is up from there. So here we are. Another end to another episode. Role playing is not everyone's cup of tea, but it can be a fabulous experience and activity to take part in even for as short a time as 30 minutes. Games like Massive Darkness and Legacy of Dragonhold transport players into a world far away from our own and gives players a chance to find out what life might be like as someone other than themselves. The journey players go on may not always be the clearest when the stage is first set, but by the end, the experiences may be ones that will last a lifetime. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to like this episode and listen to others that I've posted. Share the joy of your turn with friends and family. You can also check out pictures and updates I post over on my Instagram at z.a.yourturn. Feel free to drop me a line or a comment and let me know what games you have been playing and are interested in hearing about. It has been a pleasure talking to you about these amazing games, and I'll be back in a few weeks with another new episode. As always, I've been your host, Zachary Anderson, and this has been your turn. And now it is your turn to play some games and have some fun. Be safe, and have a good one, y'all.